You are about to enter the Smogville Zone with Brighton SLC and... Sean Black. We signed a bad contract to become the official podcast of the mysterious Smogville World's Fair. Our job is simple. To create the greatest podcast of all time. The world champion of podcasts. Now we're trapped in a private Ferris wheel with no hope of escape. We must talk about the only things we understand, fringe and forgotten pop culture. That means mysteries of the mysterious, music videos, heavy metal, oiled boys, wrestling, and public television. More information at worldchampionpodcast.com. Well, who's this? Ah, the French... What is the charge? Eating a meal? A succulent Chinese meal? I'm here, Papa! yippee ki Mr. Falcon! First listen to Animal Man, the Snoopy Snoopy Poop Dog. My wife hated me being a firefighter. Worse nine months later. Father! If you don't mind my saying, I don't like your attitude one bit. Inspired. Six times I've now ruined my whiskey. I'm under what? I just want to do whatever serves the corporation best. Good night, Mr. Bronson. Good night. Gentlemen, this is Democracy Manifest. So Joel's email continues. Uh, lastly, Brighton mentioned a great idea in one episode, a drinking game for your loyal listeners. The first rule being to drink each time Brighton mentions that he's deathly afraid of something. Wait, wait, wait. I- deathly? What about just some of your smallest fears? Well, biggest fears, smallest fears. Any maybe fear. maybe biggest fears, you have to take a shot of Ice 101. And smallest fears, just uh, pour yourself a nice gelada. Yeah, or watermelon pucker. De- yeah, or watermelon pucker. Uh, deathly afraid. Well, my girlfriend made fun of me just the other day for saying, <laughs> for how often I'm deathly afraid of things. It's a scary world. <laughs> it is. I'm, I'm filled with fear, just like you. No, so. what if someone... Imagine, <laughs> imagine you're at your house uh-huh. and someone rings your doorbell. Oh, I know. I, it's, oh my god! Your heart stops. You, you get a cold sweat. Hit the floor. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't know how. You don't know when they've gone away. So you're there for half an hour or so. I do the thing they taught me in school. It's it's stop, drop, and roll. Mm-hmm. And then you just roll you just all, all the way to the basement <laughs> stairs, and then roll down them, and then roll right into your bunker. Yeah. Just shut it. Hit the panic room button. Bam. Safe. Well, yeah. See, I have a panic room, but it's just a tent. Mm-hmm. It's a, well, it's a panic, panic. It's still a room. I mean, it worked. No, my, my panic room is uh, I get into bed and seal off the covers completely over my body. Mm-hmm. Well, so there's no openings, just like when I was a kid. Well, it's sort of like an ostrich, right? As long as you can't see the threat, it's not there. Right. And they, and they can't see you. Exactly. Um, so, so that's one drinking game thing. Uh, another one is to drink each time Sean Black makes a reference to his mind being blown. Really? Do I say that a lot? Uh, I mean, your mind gets blown fairly often. It's true. I, that, that comment is actually even kind of blowing my mind. <laughs> there you go. I like this idea, and I'm actually going to log into the back end of our website right now and create a new page for, for uh, the drinking game. So as oh, you, yeah. And it doesn't have to be alcoholic. It can be melted ice cream or right. uh, Ovaltine. Would, it'll get you just as sick, though. You'll be, you'll be throwing up either way. Yeah, either way. It's either, yeah, you can substitute your drink of choice as long as it's an alcohol drink or melted ice cream. So it, this is a great suggestion. A Saturday morning, you gotta you gotta get up kind of early because if you're gonna drink drink during all thirty episodes, that's that's a marathon day. So, oh, so they're gonna oh, so we're starting. Oh, this is one episode. I was just thinking as people listen, hopefully at home, not in their car at work. 
binge. Please, please, we do not encourage you to drink at home or at work. Start on a Saturday morning, binge drink. Okay. Go through yeah. all 30 episodes by Sunday afternoon. You will have consumed a lot of ice cream. <laughs> yeah. A lot of melted ice cream. Drinking game. So send those in to worldchampionpodcast at gmail.com or, uh, you know, facebook.com, worldchampionpodcast, all that fun stuff. For a second, I thought you were going to say, or don't. Well, yeah, or don't. That is always an option. I want people to know that they always have the option of not doing anything. Mm. Though I would prefer that they participate true. and interact with us. Very true. Um, I don't think that's the end of Joel's email. Uh, uh, much love to you both, and hope you maintain just enough sat- sanity in that Ferris wheel car to keep you casting. But lose just an- Oh, wait, wait, wait. I gotta reread this. Maintain just enough sanity to keep casting, but lose just enough to keep it on the edge of collapsing. Oh, wow. Which makes for the most dynamic, informative entertainment. Um, this is broken to a poem. It went from just an email, and now it's kind of just transformed. I guess this is why he sent so many drafts. It's because yeah. to, to, to have an email go from just suggesting things, talking about things, to go right into almost like lyrics from a song. Yeah, that's why it took so many drafts. Now, he also mentions that we might be a little too quiet on his headphones through the Apple app. So let's, let's just bump the volume up right now, and hopefully that's better. Yeah, yeah but here's the trick. Mm-hmm. What do we know about this guy, this Joel fella? He's in London. And where does he listen to our show? On the tube. Exactly. In the lolly. Everyone knows you can't hear on the lolly. Mm-hmm. I, w- <laughs> I wish I had some Cockney rhyming slang to bust out. I know. We, we're just so rusty on our Cockney. He could get those noise reduction headphones that I have where you turn, a, turn the switch on and it it's cancels out the sound so you can only hear the headphones. I think all our listeners should invest in expensive headphones so, to hear us better. Yeah, because especially when you're drinking, it's going to be difficult when you're when your head is literally full of melted ice cream. Well, it helps to drown out the sirens from the police that have been called on you. <laughs> right. Because you've got no shirt on and you're up in a tree. Mm-hmm. You're disturbing the peace. You're doing all that stuff. You've been peeing out of a tree. So we, we read his uh, thing about the 80s, but didn't really address it. What? What? Uh, last week about um, the increasing prevalence of 80s styles in contemporary filmmaking and music. Okay, let's talk about it. Yeah, then. I feel like I have a lot to say about this, but I, I will sound like an idiot, and so I don't want to. What do you well, think of this? That's never stopped you before. No, that's never stopped me before. No, the reason it doesn't stop me before is because I don't stop and think about it. Ah. If, I'm just, if you stopped and thought, that's when the fear... There would be no show. Me. That's what keeps us on the edge of collapsing. Then the fear, <laughs> the that, fear. I'm, that I'm under the bed, I'm not <laughs> podcasting. Yeah, or casting, as the kids say. Casting, that's what the, that is what the kids say. It's off the chain. I like it. Casting is off the chain, man. Is off the chain dated? I, I, I texted you and another friend this question this weekend. I was watching a show from, was it last year? It was pretty recently. No, it was last week. Yeah. There's an episode of Raw from last week where someone called something off the chain. And I just thought, no, it was the Cruiserweight Classic. It was that guy with a tattoo on his neck. So, okay, so we're talking about uh, WWE Cruiserweight Classic. Which I'm loving. Sort of a, uh, a mini tournament taking place outside of the WWE world. Mm-hmm. And, these, and to be in the tournament, you have to be under 205 pounds. So these are kind of the smaller guys that are super talented. So they've got the best of the best from around the world who just aren't giant monster men. So Off the Chain was added to Urban Dictionary by a user named Smooth B on hmm. August 21st, 2003. 2003. Yeah. So, so a 2016 
is 13 years after this slang term was. So I think it's safe to say that by the time it trickles down to a giant corporate television show, it is no longer a cool saying, right? I would think I would say so. Yeah, I don't think anyone's saying off the chain anymore. I hadn't heard it in conversation in probably a decade when I heard it on this TV show. I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say it. I, that's actually true. And not ironically, but again, we are the people that are hiding when the the doorbell rings. So right, we're not. We're it, may not be exposed to as much of the streets. We are not streetwise. No, very much. We're, we're a little bit, but not for the most part. I know you're, you're either streetwise or you're. Or you're street smart or book smart, but but in our case we're kind of not either. The the books I don't know they're intimidating they're thick most of them. The streets again intimidating and thick with with fears. And I want to add that we used to do a comic book podcast and quit because that was too difficult. It was too much reading. So we we used to be comic book smart. Now we're not even comic book smart anymore. No. Wow, we better get smart about this then. Get smart the show. I watched that in the eighties. That's a 60s show. But, no, I, like, I really like the 80s influence in filmmaking and TV, and I don't know if that's for nostalgia or, for, or because I just actually like that sort of aesthetic. Well, I didn't like the 80s during the 80s, um, so I don't think it is nostalgia. I think I, I did like it. What, did, what, did you, what do you mean you didn't like it? I didn't like the music that I'd hear in my mom's Oldsmobile, the hmm. contemporary music. I didn't care for it. I liked 80s movies, but I liked the ones that were... You know, I liked Indiana Jones and Star Wars, which didn't take place in the 80s. Well, when 80s movies is now kind of a term that, that's like 16 Candles. It's, it's right. John Hughes films. Those John Hughes films. But at uh, the time, maybe. they weren't called 80s movies. Yeah, yeah, they weren't called 80s movies in the 80s. And Stand By Me is an 80s movie that everyone loves, but that took place in the 50s. Well, that, that's nostalgia and nostalgia. It's like a double nostalgia. Yeah, it is a double nostalgia. Because it did still have a certain style. So I don't know. Yeah, but if you think about it, that was a contemporary movie in the 80s for people nostalgic about 20 years prior. It's the exact same thing. It's as... like American Graffiti. Right. And it, but, but, but I mean, a movie now, like we were talking about Stranger Things, that is the exact same thing as Stand By Me. It's just two decades in the future. It's taking place in the 80s. Instead w- of the 80s taking place in the 60s. In the 60s, there's probably tons of movies taking place in the 40s during the, the, just a fun-loving time for the country. How many of us in the 90s were way into the 60s? The 60s or the 70s? Like, this, like, everyone I knew, everyone I associated with in the early 90s, we were all about the Beatles and Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about Led that's Zeppelin. That's late 60s. That, that's 70s, though. It's, it's got to be 20 years. Yeah, we'll count it. We'll allow it. Well, I think it Led gaps. Zeppelin. I think the gap gets narrow as it goes on. Uh, what, do you, what do you mean? Because, is that because of the internet? Yeah, because of the internet. <laughs> I was thinking about Led Zeppelin and... And how into them I was in high school. Okay. Well, or, or junior high. And I don't know that I liked their music as much as I just liked their shirts, which I think means I was actually just into Lord of the Rings in a roundabout way. Yeah, I was going to say that the, they've got the guy, the wizard. Is it supposed, supposed to be Gandalf holding a, holding a lantern? It's, he's called the hermit officially. But he's Gandalf. Of course. And then what's the other one Icarus getting his his wings melted yeah and that's very you know that's Clash of the Titans stuff <laughs> yeah so you got Icarus what, what, are, what are the other designs there's a there's, there's a tons of stuff with there's wizards. a Zeppelin blowing up and who doesn't love the Hindenburg well no who doesn't hate the Hindenburg and was so thrilled hate what do you mean hate oh thrilled it was blowing up thrilled it was blowing up you know the Hindenburg's the only time the Nazi flag was flown over America really yeah it was a Nazi ship wow yeah um and then there's the baby, the Hindenburg baby. 
the Hindenburg baby. Did I make that up? Oh, that was kidnapped. It was kidnapped. Yeah. Is that not related? Lindbergh baby. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. It's not, it's not, it's no, the Hindenburg, it's yeah. the Hindenburg baby. Oh, but the Hindenburg baby was the most famous baby in 1936. <laughs> it was the baby, that, it was the only baby that survived the, the crash. It was the only baby on board. It was, it was and it survived. It was one of those things where they put the baby on board. They're it was ready. a contest in Life magazine. Oh, yeah. That's right. You're right. Contest in Life magazine. Let your baby fly the Hindenburg. And then look how that turned out. That was the last time that Life magazine did a contest like that. I tell you what. Yeah, that was. It did not turn out that great. But the Hindenburg baby was fine. Hindenburg itself not so fine. The Hindenburg baby actually grew up to play Uncle Fester on the Adams family. That is a fun fact, isn't it? So this weekend, when I was watching this cruiserweight classic, where where the the, the tattooed neck host was dropping uh, off the chain, I decided to start. It occurred to me that we've talked about how there's a big gap in our watching. You know, when I was watching wrestling, it was in the late 90s. The last stuff I was really watching was kind of the Attitude Era. Can, can I stop you right there? This is the maybe third time in four weeks we've talked about wrestling. I think we need to make this a semi-annual segment. Okay, good idea. We'll do a semi-weekly segment. and We'll call it Oiled Boys. Oiled Bo- yeah, of course. Oiled Boys. Go to worldchampionpodcast.com to see all our segments. And Oiled Boys is the latest news in the world of professional wrestling and oily muscle men, just to, to really clarify it. So I, I watched wrestling as... Don't as you a, think it should have a theme song? I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but... All right, let's just come up with it right now. Hand me that computer. All right, hang on. So you're the man that moves the world. You the world long enough. Get ready. Come on, you want a piece of me? Come and get me. Not that's bad. pretty good. I know that. We did that in 15 seconds. That's, that's pretty impressive. So, like I was saying, I, I kind of watched, you know, I watched wrestling growing up as a kid on Hulk Hogan and all that stuff. And then late in the Attitude Era, Hulk Hogan got, got his black outfit, right? Yeah. No, so the Attitude Era, for, for those that don't know, is, is when wrestling really went off the chains. It was off the chain. At the where time. They're, they're like, hey, instead of like, the good guy vitamin-eating American wrestler versus, you know, a guy that works at a used car shop. Let's have every wrestler grab their dicks. Mm-hmm. Let's have a pimp wrestler, a porn star wrestler. Yeah. Let's turn Hulk Hogan bad. Let's turn everybody bad. This was let's, a- let's start uh, shoving knives in people's eyes. This, this was a too-hot-for-TV type of thing that was just catching the imagination of the country. You know, you have Jerry Springer was getting big. And it, was just a, it was just this bad attitude time. But for me, when Hulk went from his bright, goofy American hero yellow to his all-black outfit, I know in, in his head he was, he was trying to look cool. He was trying to look like, you think of like, uh, who's a cool rebel? Like the Fonz or something, right? Or James Dean. But what he actually looked like to me was when Jay Leno wears his leather jacket. That's exactly right. Now, <laughs> okay, you, you, you're subscribed to the WWE Network. Oh, yes, of course. Did you know that Jay Leno wrestled against Hulk Hogan? <laughs> what? The two coolest icons? The two coolest guys of the 90s. Wow. Together, that that it must have been the clash of the cool. There was so much cool in the room, you couldn't even eat a Dorito. Yeah, so, so I was really turned off by, by Hulk Hogan, who for me was still the main 
the main wrestling star, right? Mm -hmm. I was really turned off by this. I just, you know, Jay Leno in a giant leather jacket getting in one of his dorky cars and driving around town and being like, this is one of my 200 cars. Oh, my God. He's wearing a leather jacket yeah. in, at the match? Yeah. Wow. That's, okay. I've, so how, how do you even choose when you got two guys who just... Who just embody the spirit of yeah, that old time they, rock and roll? They just ooze cool. They're just a human saxophone solo. They really are. So, wow, I'm gonna have to watch that. But I went back and I I was trying to fill in the gaps because I have a feeling that I <coughs> would love CM Punk, but I missed the entire CM Punk era. Mm -hmm. You know, I was I was in into punk. I was in Salt Lake. For those who don't know, was a huge straight edge scene, which is a kind of punk rock subculture of not doing drugs and not drinking. Yeah, and I don't know why that was popular in Salt Lake, but maybe someone can explain that to us. Yeah. <laughs> wink. 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 Um, and so I knew a lot of straight-edge kids. Like, tons of my friends were straight-edge. And I would have... It's one of those things that you never suspect that it's something that would get big, you know? When me and my friends were at the Earth Crisis concert... And, and you have someone screaming about animal rights, you know. And, and this is what, animal. in 1994? Is, no, I'd say maybe mid-90s, mid yeah. to late 90s yeah. was the big kind of Victory Records straight edge resurgence. It, it goes way back to Minor Threat in the early 80s who kind of coined the term straight edge in their, I think their song is even called straight edge. Yeah, it is. So this was kind of a punk movement. And so to, to have the biggest, you know, WWE and WWF were are were and are huge, you know, billion-dollar corporation. And so when I hear there's a wrestler named CM Punk who has lots of tattoos, he has X's drawn on his hands, on his, like, hand wraps, whatever you call them. Yeah. I thought this is, could easily be a wrestler that I would love. His most noticeable tattoo is the Pepsi logo. And a Cobra so, one, So right? for years I called him Pepsi Guy. Yeah. When I was just only caught wrestling when it happened to be on TV somewhere. Yeah, and then he has Cobra from G.I. Joe. Again, 80s nostalgia. Yeah, so so I went back to try to, to watch some CM Punk stuff, right? So I, I just randomly didn't want to go too far back, but I thought I'd pick a time where he was pretty popular, which, which was 2011. Mm -hmm. So I watched the 2011 Royal Rumble. And in that one, I don't know if you've watched this or not, CM Punk has a gang called... The called? Straight Edge Society. No, they were called something else. They were called the, oh, is this the, the Nexus? Oh, no, the Nexus, Nexus Core. Yeah, the ne they were the Nexus. This is the second version of the Nexus. Okay, and this had like Heath Heath Slater with his his goofy long red hair. I was kind of yeah. surprised to see him, and yeah. it had uh, Husky Harris, who I laughed at this dorky fat guy, and then I looked it up, and it was Bray Wyatt. He was way cooler as Husky Harris. That's Husky Harris. And, and Bray Wyatt now is a... God, what a weird gimmick. He's a southern bayou cult leader who has a big, scary beard and says mm. big, scary things, but also wears a Hawaiian shirt and a straw fedora. Yeah, I don't get how that fits in. He's kind of like a, 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 a nice guy, an internet nice guy meets a true detective bad guy. <laughs> yeah. But I do like that his previous gimmick was fat guy. Yeah, just just fat guy. Husky. Uh, uh, let's name him Husky. Yeah, I, I don't say fat's a little strong. He's Husky. He's not fat. So there, he's pretty fat. So this Royal Rumble is kind of different than any other I've seen because because uh, CM Punk and his gang basically took over the ring, and then when people would come in one by one, they'd all gang up on him and then throw him out. 
And so I, I, it was pretty cool, actually. I was like, I don't, yeah. I've never seen a Royal, Royal Rumble like this. So then I, I watched WrestleMania 27 just to see his match. It's, it's CM Punk versus Randy Orton. And so WrestleMania 27 took place at the Georgia Dome on April 3rd, 2011. This had 71,617 people in attendance. And I just wanted to mention that because this becomes relevant to what I'm actually going to talk about. Okay. Which is, which is, you know, CM Punk is cool. Randy, or- his match with Randy Orton was was cool. Randy Orton's he hears voices in his head. He hears voices. He's a human viper. He's mentally ill. Yeah. Right. And he and he goes into this dark place when he like does he like turn into a snake when he starts pounding on yeah. the, the the mat? Yeah. He turns into a snake man. Snake man. Yeah. Okay. It, it was a great match, but this is the I have the order of it. This is the third match in WrestleMania. So it starts out with Edge and Alberto Del Rio, and that's the World Championship. Then Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio. Then there's Big Show Kane, Kofi Kingston, blah, 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 and a bunch of people doing an eight-man tag team. Then Randy Orton and CM Punk. So, that, so I'm like halfway through WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. We get to a match, and it is the commentators are going to wrestle. So guys that are not... Well, Jerry the King Lawler... Jerry the King Lawler is an old-timey wrestler. Yes. He's now about 70 years old. Who, I don't know if you know this, he had a heart attack on the air. <laughs> really? Yeah. He, and just to paint... In the middle of a match, he had a heart attack. Was he a commentator at the time? Or yes. Or was he in the ring? No, he was commentating. What does he say? Does he, does he just start gasping? He, yeah, pretty much. God, that sounds horrible. Wow. Okay, so... Jerry the King Lawler, old-timey wrestler. He, he's, at the time, 61 years old. He's going to wrestle Michael Cole, who is another commentator. And I was just confused. And, and Michael Cole's basically about as compelling as your local newscaster on the 5 o'clock news. Yeah, this is not a cool muscle man. This is not an ex-wrestler as far as Not I even know. oily. Not even oily. Not oily. He, has, he does have a little flavor saver. I guess, <laughs> I guess that's the same as wearing a big puffy... A leather jacket, like he thinks it's cool. He thinks he looks cool, but he looks like a douchebag. Mm-hmm. So they had a match at WrestleMania between Jerry Lawler, the sixty-one-year-old guy who he wears affliction shirts. Now he's like seventy, you know, maybe oh yeah, he's, he's always kind of purple. Yeah, he, he's, from I think a combination of a heart condition and over tanning. He kind of looks like an old Cabbage Patch kid. That's like, a really good way to describe him. And. Wearing an affliction shirt with lots of bedazzled stuff. He's just, he's just bedazzled from head to toe. Like, if he, if he washes his clothes, it must just sound like diamonds, like, you know, like... Like you left a bunch of pennies in your yeah. jeans. Yeah, like, it's, it sounds it's probably super loud. He's probably broke a few dryers with his bedazzled clothes. This match even gets weirder. So, Michael Cole's going to come... So, first of all, they have... They, since the two commentators are going to wrestle, they have to have, bring in guest commentators. So, they bring in uh, Booker T who I love, who might be my favorite wrestling commentator. Because he's an insane man. He's an insane man. He but sounds, a legitimate insane man, not like all the other wrestlers. He sounds like he's been drinking bleach after, like, as a nightcap for years. His voice is totally blown out. It's just like, I can't believe they're coming out here. <laughs> like, he's That's just, very accurate. He just, he, he just sounds like he's been huffing just toxic fumes, drinking bleach. His throat is blown out. Then they bring in Jim Ross who's this old kind of fat cowboy commentator. Oh, he's, he's the best. Yeah, he, he's pretty good. 
I don't believe this. Yeah, I, I, I like him as well. And and it, and his, oh my god, his kind of calm demeanor doesn't really. You don't think that voice would come out of him? Those boys are trapped in a Ferris wheel. My God, <laughs> he's great. So they bring him in. They're going to have a special guest referee. Uh, wait, I will surprise you just like like they were supposedly surprised, even though it was on the bill. Like if you read who this is the next match, and this is who the. Well, but this was written after the fact, right? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So surprise referee. So. Yeah, I guess so. There's not really a surprise referee if you announce it. That yeah, but I don't know. I, it seemed so. Michael Cole comes out. He's dressed as like a high school uh, wrestler. He's wearing kind of a, a onesie thing. I don't know what they're called. <laughs> yeah, it's called an old timey ladies' bathing suit. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like a one piece bathing suit. And then he's got the, the headgear on with, that covers his ears and the chin strap and all that. And, he's, and at, at this WrestleMania, there's a really long pathway from where they enter to the ring in the middle. And he just is walking down there, insulting Jim Ross, talking about what a fatso Jim Ross is and what a loser everyone is, and the crowd's losers. You know, he's getting the cheap heat, as you call it. Yeah. He gets down there, and they—he's got a guest uh, coach. I guess this coach, this guy's been coaching him, and it's Jack Swagger, the like one of the lamest wrestlers, in my opinion. I, I just—he does nothing for me. Yeah, his gimmick is like what high he's, high school douchebag. No, his gimmick is he's uh, really American. He's really patriotic. Yeah, but he also wears that onesie and... He does wear... He is kind of like just, a high school douchebag. Yeah, he looks like a high school douchebag. So he comes out. He comes down the, the ramp. He drops to do push-ups. I guess, I, I guess that's his thing. That's his thing. And then the camera's right up in his face, and then all of a sudden you hear glass break. Oh, I know what that means. And, yes, yeah, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. And Jack Swagger is, is befuddled. He's shocked. So the, the guest referee is Stone Cold Steve Austin. He comes out on a four-wheeler <laughs> like he's just got back from duck hunting, you know? Yeah. Jack Swagger turns around. He can't believe it. Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then Stone Cold Steve Austin, who is the – he's officiating. So I don't understand why – his actions are the most puzzling of everyone's in this whole match. <laughs> okay. He races. He just revs up his four-wheeler, charges down the ramp at full speed to try to run over Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger has to dive into the crowd. Yeah. He got out of the way. And I just thought, this does not seem like a neutral move. If you're trying to be the, the, the referee, you should be above the fray, right? You shouldn't be, <laughs> you shouldn't have a hand in the match at any In anyway. murdering somebody. You shouldn't try to kill someone. Run them down with your four-wheeler. Then Jerry Lawler comes down. He is wearing a one-sided bathing suit, like mm-hmm. Andre the Giant. Yeah. And this is like a pudgy, it's like I said, like an old leathery Cabbage Patch kid coming down. <laughs> and this is the match after Sam Punk and Randy Orton. Well, they got to bring the crowd back down before the is? main event. Yeah. There, well, there was a couple after it. There was two events after it. But I mean, is that really like, is this the time where everyone's going to the bathroom yeah, and buying totally. more beer? Yeah. Okay. Because you got to give, give the crowd time to sit quietly so that they can get their energy back up so they can scream for the next one. Okay, because I was just watching this totally confused. And you're wondering why this is higher on the card than I, the yeah. championship match. Yeah I, couldn't, yeah, I couldn't understand how this was above CM Punk and Randy Orton. So he starts pounding on Michael Cole. Michael Cole counters and starts having the upper hand for mo- actually most of the match, which I thought was kind of ridiculous. And this whole time, Booker T is going, If he loses to him... He'll be humiliated. He's a Hall of Fame wrestler. <laughs> of 
course. And, uh, and, and, and that is true. If you have been wrestling for 40 years and you lose to a guy with absolutely no training besides Jack Swagger yeah. for a week, then you should be ashamed of yourself. Swagger sees that this match is not going well. He throws the talent, you know, as his coach, like a, like a boxing coach. Stone Cold Steve Austin, remember, the impartial referee, sees the, the towel, picks it up, wipes his face down with it, wipes his armpits with it, and then throws it back at Jack Swagger. So there's no stopping this yeah, match. Yeah, so he's getting beaten regardless. Yeah. He, he's not until he dies. <laughs> right. Michael Cole's like, why won't you stop the match? He starts getting Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin's face. Stone Cold Steve Austin then attacks uh, Michael Cole, assaults him, punches him, and knocks him down. And, and, and physically, by assaulting him, forces him to continue the match. Eventually, Lawler grabs Michael Cole's leg, twists it with an ankle lock, and... and so who wins? I, I, I... This, is, this is important. It gets weird. Okay. It gets weirder after okay. this. So, so Michael Cole loses as he's trying to tap out, and Stone Cold won't... Ex- he's like, Do you, what does this mean? He won't accept the tap yeah, out. He won't, so he's tapping for a minute until he finally accepts this it. This is very negligent and medically <laughs> questionable. Well, well, this is this is what I mean. Really, my God, this is what I really think is weird. So then, Stone Cold starts doing the beer thing where they throw him beers, and he, him and Lawler are opening beers and cheersing and 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 drinking beers. Booker T can't handle it anymore. He wants to be part of it. <laughs> he he rushes the ring, gets in there, does a break dancing move, and then he gets beers, and then he cheers uh, Stone Cold, and they start drinking, and then Stone Cold just attacks him. Attacks who? Booker T? Booker. He does the Stone Cold Stunner on him. Yeah, because he's drunk. This is a man wearing a suit that's the yeah. commentator. Yeah. Compl- has nothing to do who with Who just wanted this party. Who just wants to drink a beer with the winners. Has yeah. nothing to do with it. Then a, 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 like a, a text noise, like, like on your iPhone. A really loud oh, the this, is the, this sounds like the anonymous general manager. It is. You're yeah. right. There's an email. So the, the third commentator, what's his name? It's uh, Josh Matthews, a young guy. He goes over to a computer and reads it. The, the anonymous general manager has said, since Stone Cold Steve Austin attacked Michael Cole and knocked him down, the, he's been disqualified and, and Michael Cole wins. Of course, that's the way it should be. Right. It kind of does make sense. And yeah. they're outraged. So Jerry Lawler drags this kid that just read the email, who literally says, I'm just the messenger. Yeah. Drag, they drag him into the ring, and then Stone Cold does a Stone Cold stunner on him. Now, I just thought this was the strangest behavior. It, made, like, can, it makes no sense at all. Well, why would you expect any of this to make sense? I don't know. I think you've been watching enough that you should know that this makes sense, and matches that go normally as though their actual sport do not make sense. That's a really good point. It is weird. I mean, I love thinking about this in terms of a workplace. Yeah, I think that's what I like. Can you imagine going to the HR department because maybe you're having a disagreement with a coworker? Right. And your HR manager kicks you in the face and calls you a loser. Mm -hmm. Well, it would be more like... It would be more like you had assaulted someone in the office, and then, and then when someone came to discipline you, you assault them as well, and then someone sends you an email saying you're in trouble for assaulting these two people at your work, you then assault that person. And then when the boss tells you you're fired, you tell them to go to the hell and assault them. Right. 
and then, then and then there's no disciplinary action. You go. To, if anything, you get a promotion. You get a promotion. Yeah, you're kind of almost people almost look up to you for your behavior in the workplace. Yeah, like he handled this well. I think so. So I guess I guess I guess it's not confusing. I guess now that you've kind of given me perspective, it, it makes total sense. Well, I want to take us back here. You're talking about the I don't even know what you'd call this era of wrestling of five years ago. It's not the golden age or the classic age. It's the, the, let's call it the internet age. Yeah, it's probably the off the chain age. It's the off the chain age. So I googled off the chains. All right. And uh, I found something from celeb celebuzz.com. And the headline is 2016 MTV Video Music Awards Ansel Elgort off the chain with his look. So, this so is, what this was this article was posted 22 hours ago. So what could be more relevant than the MTV movie? MTV, MTV sorry, Video Awards? VMAs. They call them the VMAs. Yeah. So off the chain so is it's still like, a thing. So it's like how Kentucky Fried Chicken is now KFC. It's never called Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, dude, ever. that chicken is off the chain. It is. It's yeah. O-A-F-C. So I want to take you... <laughs> no, O-T-C. <laughs> it's O-T-C, over-the-counter. Over-the-counter chicken. What's better than over-the-counter chicken? O-T-C chicken. I want that O-T-C-K-F-C. And the, and the colonel's like, this chicken's so good, you ought to need a prescription. God, they had, the, they had Colonel Sanders wrestling a chicken last week. They did. So that's... Uh, that was also higher on the card than the world champion match. That's true. So let's I keep guess, that in mind. I guess we're the ones out of touch. No, the children are wrong. So, Terrible Ted debuted uh, in 1950, on April 1st, no less. He uh, is billed at 7 foot tall and 600 pounds, Sean. You can't teach that. <laughs> you can't teach that. 7 foot tall, 600 pounds. Um, I'm just going to read you a little bit about his career because I think it's very interesting, and I do love my old-timey stuff. Um, so... He debuted and, and kind of wrestled around New Jersey, uh, even as far down as Florida and Ohio, so working that East, East Coast, Midwest circuit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he met a guy named, whose real name was Dave McKigney, but was better known as a wrestler as Gene Dubois, a.k.a. the Canadian Wild Man. Oh, I like that name. Absolutely. So he trained Terrible Ted. Uh, then in 1958, before 8,000 fans, uh, Terrible Ted beat Dubois at the Maple Leaf Gardens in Toronto. Uh, wrestled three more matches, then went west to Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, a very famous uh, Calgary wrestling. That's where Bret Hart comes from. Okay. That's where a lot of those Canadian guys go to train. Toured throughout the United States in the 60s. Uh, <laughs> he only lost twice in 24 matches. He lost to a guy named Man Mountain Managoff, and he lost to a guy named Gypsy Joe. These are all great names. Gypsy Joe, unfortunately, just died a couple years ago at the ripe old age of 82. Which in wrestling years is like 200. Yeah, abs- amazing that he survived that long. Some of Gypsy Joe's other names were Aztec Joe, El Grande Pistolero, and Baby Grandpa. <laughs> That's kind of what Jerry Lawler is. A Baby Grandpa. A Baby Grandpa. That's true. So he, I, I can picture exactly what he looks like. He is uh, officially the world's oldest wrestler because he did a match at age 73. Oh, wow. Oh, no, his last match uh, was the Gypsy Joe retirement show. He was 79 years old. Wow. Yeah. 70, and he died at 83? Yeah. So four years later. Yeah. You know, that's what happens when you retire. Wow. You die within four years at a, at a pretty old age. So by uh, the end of the 
50s and 60s. Terrible Ted had won over 500 matches. He uh, did a tag team match in 1972 with Rocky Johnson. Mm-hmm. Do you know very, Rocky Johnson? Very famous. He is The Rock's father, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's mm-hmm. father. Spent some time, you know, just kind of touring around wrestling. They had this, this bet where if you could beat him, you'd get thousands of dollars. Uh, in, the, in the 60s, he briefly lived in Stu Hart's home in Calgary. Stu Hart is the uh, you know, patriarch of the Hart family. Uh, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. Yeah, Bret Hart. So he lived at Stu Hart's home where a young Bret Hart would let him lick ice cream off his feet. Melted ice cream. Melted ice they, cream they off his feet. They were doing a drinking feet. game. Right, yeah. He would lick melted ice cream off Bret Hart's feet. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, oh, wait a minute. Oh, I forgot to tell you that Terrible Ted is a bear. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, okay. He was the wrestling bear of, I guess the, not even that weird. of the golden age. For a minute, I'm really weirded out, but it's the same way I was weirded out by this match I was describing. <laughs> right. This shouldn't surprise me either. Yeah, the, this guy, Gene Dubois, toured around with his giant grizzly bear, his giant Canadian gri- grizzly bear. It was a grizzly bear? Yes. I thought they were untrainable. Can you train a grizzly bear? Oh, sure. Circuses and stuff. And you can train them to be mildly tame i know but i mean they still you probably out. don't you probably don't need to train them that well to wrestle because that's kind of their natural yeah what they they, <laughs> they, they have like a, a oh wait a minute i'm just god this is all starting to make sense that what we're talking about mm-hmm. they're they're really dangerous if you you take them off the chain that's what off the chain means it comes back this, to terrible ted it probably does mystery solved smooth smooth b is probably this canadian wild man or whatever whoever yeah. trained him yeah they'd say he's off the chain so they'd do this thing where they'd go around to carnivals and it would say and you know three thousand dollars to anyone who can beat terrible ted so why wouldn't you do that if you were at the fair and wrestle a grizzly bear just wrestle for three thousand dollars sean <laughs> No, not, no. <laughs> you wouldn't, you pansy. Wrestle, is, has it been declawed? Can you declaw grizzly he, bear? He wore a muzzle. He did wear a muzzle. What about its, its knife-like claws? Well, I don't know about his knife-like claws. Maybe it, that you can get him, maybe they have those uh, little clippers, like a dog. I have one for my dog, little tiny clippers. I love, <laughs> I love that seat. So on July 13th, 1966, his challenge was accepted by a guy named John Segetti who was a 36-year-old welder who wanted the money for truck repairs God. and was, uh, I'll, I'll wrestle what, what, a bear. Could he, was he Mr. Blue Collar? What was well, he managed to pin Ted. Wow. So he must have been a badass dude. I guess if you're going to even accept fighting a bear, you're going to, you, you, you at least think you're going to win. Yeah. He pinned the bear for about 15 seconds before the only guy. Need, only need three. Yeah, exactly. So he pinned him five times. He should get $15,000. But then uh, McGinney went and pried him free and then <laughs> ran off without paying. That sounds about right. Yeah. So this kept happening over and over again where he's offering people money to anyone willing to wrestle. And then when they do, he runs off without paying. So Ted, the bear, had to spend time in jail <laughs> because of this. You mean our laws apply to all animals? It was, uh, well, I mean, it, so what it is, the, the bear was held in a jail. But it was as like a property sort of thing. Oh, like like, like pay up. Property. Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, that makes sense. He, uh, t- he took his his future bear rug. <laughs> yeah, that's property. People steal rugs all the time. <laughs> that's just, those are probably very expensive. Nihilists, even. 
Um, the fate of Terrible Ted is actually uncertain, but uh, this guy, Gene Dubois, real name McKingy, uh, was driving to a wrestling show in Newfoundland and swerved to avoid hitting a moose, and him and three of his passengers died. Was the bear one of the passengers? No, the bear, a bear's, bear was taken away in 1978 by the Ontario Humane Society, That's good. and his fate is unknown. It's probably good. He's probably wrestling as an independent now. He's probably on the, yeah, on the own, indie his, circuit. His own manager. He doesn't have to give a cut to this guy. He's probably a lot happier. Probably wears a trench coat with the collar turned up and a big nose, a big plastic nose, mm-hmm. sunglasses, a fedora. Oh, yeah, he probably does. Like when the Incredible Hulk has to go out <laughs> among, among the streets. Or the Thing. Oh, yeah, the Thing does that. Yeah, the Hulk can turn back into a man. The Hulk's too mindless when he's the Hulk, unless he's Joe Fixit, and then he, he's just in Vegas as a, <laughs> as a, a bouncer. <laughs> That's right. But Unlike this terrible Ted who has to go out in a fake nose. Yeah. And... This bear, this monster. <laughs> That's right. Wow, so, all right, before, before we, we segue out of this, this Oiled Boys segment, I have one more thing to talk about. Are you ready? I found an article about wrestlers' favorite metal bands. Oh, okay. So, this is from Metal Injection. Which is what? Some kind of website. That, oh, okay. That's heavy, heavy metal news. I thought it was a procedure. It, it's, it could be. It sounds very dangerous. Ask your doctor about metal injection. What are the side effects? <laughs> side effects include it's, banging your head. Yeah, it's probably a sore neck is the main one. Whiplash, sore neck. Uh, lead poisoning. Lead, oh, yeah, severe lead poisoning. And the only, only cure for lead poisoning is to tune in at five to the classic rock station for Get the Lead Out. That's right. That's five right. Led Zeppelin songs in a row. That's right. That's, you wear your favorite shirt. Okay, I'm going to name a couple of wrestlers, and I will. Should I have you guess, or should I just tell you? They're, Just tell me, because I probably can't even guess. They're all pretty well-known, actually. So, The Miz. You know, the good the old Miz. Miz. He's a Hollywood star, so he probably, his favorite metal band is going to be Motley Crue. His favorite metal band is called Mushroom Head. That sounds like something I don't like. It sounds like something very, uh, like, private part-ish. Oh, I see what you're saying. I think that's what, where they get their A lot of these metal bands are kind of on the immature side. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you name your band Butt Trumpet or something like that, <laughs> like you're not exactly. There's a lot. Of, there's some horrible Witch Vomit. That's one I really like. There's there's an Oregon de- black metal man called Witch Vomit that I've talked about how much I I want to buy one of their shirts and I've never heard their music. Yeah. All right, Bro- Brock Lesnar. He seems like someone who's legit into metal. Yeah, Pan- I don't know Pantera. And that's one of the ones he names, but it's Metallica. Okay, well that's, that's Metallica. I'm just gonna assume they're all Metallica. All right, Kevin Owens. KO? Yeah. Oh, it's kind of, a, kind of a heel. I, I wouldn't expect him to be a, a guy that listens to metal. Because he's kind of a... He's, I see him listening to classical music and being a dick about it. Hmm. Isn't, well, this answer, I don't know. It's kind of very mainstream with metal. Metallica. Well, Guns N' Roses. Okay, well, that's, that's fine. That, that almost seems like... Almost everybody likes Guns N' Roses. It's, yeah. It's almost not even... You know, we all listen to the Terminator 2 single over and over. All right, Goldberg. This one you're going to like. You've, you've seen this band live. Ah. Uh, Not just ah, uh, 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 right? Disturbed, indeed. And then my favorite one, this is the last one, Shinsuke Nakamura, Japanese wrestler, 
I'll give you a hint. I'm not sure he understood the question. Because his favorite metal band was Michael Jackson. <laughs> Excellent. So Okay, that's great. I feel like this is a, a, a pretty obvious uh, lead right into another segment we do called Blow Your Speakers. Well, your speakers is my quest to become a heavy metal snob one album at a time. And this week I listened to a band called Amon Amarth. That what? sounds like where the dwarves dig and mm. dig up the Balrog. I think you're on the, the right track. This is a metal band. They are specifically called uh, Melodic Viking Death Metal. Oh, I think we've talked about this. I've been wanting to talk about. It. Yeah, that sounds excellent. This, I'm, I'm gonna. I feel like I'm gonna be on board with this one. I, I did listen to uh, Ohm. Mm-hmm. How'd you feel about it? Mm-mm. No, didn't dig it at all. Mm-mm. I don't know. Maybe, I think you have to kind of be eased into doom metal and then getting into that kind of weird. Yeah, it's, it's not. Very it's weird. not for beginners. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's. So, this. I, I kind of don't think you're going to like this because you've talked in the, ba- the past how you don't like kind of barky vocals. Oh, that's true. I don't. This band sounds like a dog is doing the vocals. <laughs> well, or like a... Or, or Booker T. <laughs> okay, yeah. So a mad dog, not like a cute like... So they don't sing no, about like... putting out forest fires. No. Or... Oh, no, that was a bear. Who, who's, what did the dog... Wrestling bear. Smokey the, the wrestling bear, not yeah. Him. No, what did the dog uh, in the eighties tell crime. us not to do? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. He, he was kind of a neighborhood watch guy. That was that was uh, McGruff. McGruff the of crime course. dog. No, the, so the, the vocals on this, like, if you were an alien race coming down, and you found this album, you would say, "Oh, okay, this is clearly done by the wolves of this world. <laughs> this is a band of wolves because it's like." <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the music I already hate itself, this. The music itself is really great. It's really fast, really technical. Uh, it's it's kind of it's closer to Megadeth than than kind of the other bands I've talked about. It is the eighth studio album by the Swedish group Amon Armarth, which I have the hardest time saying. Because I want to say, does that mean something? Is that does it, it mean something in Swedish, or I'm is sure it just it some nonsense? Uh, I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up. To me, because because I want to say Aman Amath. It, it, I just feel like it, 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 that rolls off the tongue better. I, I can't speak Swedish, obviously, or fluently. I should say I, I dabble in. Swedish oh, now. you know what it is? It's not Swedish. It is Sindarin. Oh, really? And it means Mountain of Fate, which is one of the names for Mount Doom. Oh, my God. So it is, it is were, Tolkien. You were right on the money, man. Yeah. Yeah, your Lord of the Rings credentials just shown through. That was, in, that was impressive. Which actually makes sense because this album is called Surtur Rising. And Surtur is a... I, I, I got this little thing on my phone. I wanted to... Surtur is... Surtur, this, this is getting into Swedish... Uh, mythology. This is from the website blabbermouth.net, this review. Okay, word from Asgard is that Surtur is among the most ancient of Norse deities. He's the leader of the fire giants who plays a major role in Ragnarok. 
which, oh. which is going to be the third Thor movie. It's called Thor Ragnarok. What does Ragnarok mean for, for us it's uh, kinda, it's good just, Christians? It's the Armageddon, basically. Okay. It's the end of the world. Yeah. It's an Armageddon-like series of events that sees the demise of Odin, Loki, uh, Thor. You know all three of those, if you've been seeing any movies lately. Yeah. They're real popular. And many others. Before eventually bringing forth the flames that will engulf the planet. So this... He's a fire... He's the leader of the fire giants, and he... The album cover is a bunch of, of Vikings, and then there's flames behind him, and then there's about a, a hundred foot tall Viking guy with a flaming sword, and behind him is a volcano. This is some serious shit. This is getting to some serious stuff. What occurred to me when, when I, you know, when I first looked at the album cover and listened to it, it's so badass. The album cover is so cool. This is right, like you're saying, Lord of the Rings, Norse mythology, which I love. And just, a, you know, the whole theme of the album is all... is war, Here's some of the title uh, t- uh, tracks. War of the Gods, Loki's Treachery, Slaves of Fear, Last Stand of Freya, uh, Wrath of the Norsemen. So the, it's like a concept album about all this Viking stuff. Which, to someone raised in the U.S., sounds really cool. But then I started thinking, is this the equivalent of a Christian rock band to Sweden? Is this like Creed? Well, they have Christians in Sweden, I think. I, yeah, they do. But you know what I'm saying, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's getting. It for, I just had this thought: is this this might be really dorky? If you really <laughs> think about it. <laughs> it could be. Because nobody, if you hear the the word Christian rock band, that right? That's that's like. It just seems weird that you're you're thinking it might be dorky for for grown men to pretend to be, uh, you know, thousand year old Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> who named their band after Lord of the Rings. I don't get it. I don't I'm, see the connection. I'm, I'm seeing these guys in two weeks. They're, they're opening for Megadeth. So I'm going to find out. I, I looked up a YouTube video online, and they played behind a giant inflatable Viking helmet with those horns on the side. Inflatable helmets, not dorky. That, no, it's Never not dorky. dorky. That's not, <laughs> nothing inflatable nothing, is ever dorky. Nothing in metal is dorky. It's very dead serious. Mm-hmm. So in Norse mythology, Surtur is Old Norse for black or the swarthy one. Which seems weird that black and the swarthy one could be interchangeable. It sounds like the like Schwarza Pete, that uh, Netherlands Christmas character. Yeah, well, I mean, if you if you ask someone what color is this shirt, and they say it's swarthy one, and then you go, oh, you mean black? It's a black t-shirt. No, this is a swarthy one. Well, doesn't swarthy describe a person who's got like a big beard and bushy eyebrows? I'm not Hagrid. sure. Hagrid wouldn't Hagrid be swarthy? He's pro- I don't know. There's a picture on the Wikipedia, and that looks like Hagrid. <laughs> oh, my God. It's that, there's, yes. a, there's a shirtless guy with a flaming sword who I assume is supposed to be Surtur, and he, it looks like Hagrid, basically. Um, he carries a bright sword, as I said. He will do battle with the major god Freya. and then, Freya's Odin's wife, eh? I'm not sure. Yeah, that's uh, Rene Russo. Is it? Yeah. In the movies. Okay, it's been a while since I've seen that, that, that movie, that religious movie. And this comes from the... the this comes from a, a poem that's like a thousand years old. And some of the verses are really cool. It's called The Volva. No, The Vol... <laughs> Mulva? Mul- <laughs> Dolores! No, it's, it's a poem called Vola Spa where the vulva divulges information 
to the god Odin. I have no idea what that means. But yeah, there it is. Stone peaks clash, troll wives take the road. Warriors tread the path from hell, and heaven breaks apart. This is, a, this is what I call a poem. I, I like it so far. The next stanza relates to that Odin will be killed by the wolf Fenrir, which is in the comics, oh, the Thor comics. I don't know if... Fenrir? Isn't yeah. that also in Harry Potter? Probably. Fen, Fenris the Fenrir or something? I wouldn't doubt it. Fenrir Greyback is like a wolf guy. Oh, that's, oh is, it a, Isn't like, it? is it like a werewolf guy? Yeah. Oh, he's like the bad werewolf, huh? They like ate somebody's parents or something? Everyone's parents got eaten in that. Um, what else do I have about this? Okay, there's an, and then there's another really famous poem from Thousand Years Old called the Prose Edda. Oh, yeah, the Prose Edda is the, that's like the Bible of this stuff. Uh, again, back to a Christian rock band. Exactly. Surtur has a flaming sword, and at the end of the world, he will go wage war and defeat all gods and burn the whole world with fire. I think that's cool. I really like it. Scholar Bertha Philpotts theorizes that the figure of Surtur was inspired by Icelandic eruptions, and he was a volcano demon. So this band is really preoccupied with volcanoes. They name themselves <laughs> yeah. after Mount Doom. Their album's a concept album about a volcano. But, in their defense, volcanoes are pretty cool, pretty metal. So I did some fact-checking. Mm-hmm. Uh, McGruff was named by a, uh, through a contest. They, so they introduced McGruff first with the Take a Bite Out of Crime slogan, and it wasn't until July 1980 they had a nationwide contest to name him. Hmm. McGruff, the crime dog, was the winning name, and the runner-up was Sherlock Holmes, spelled S-H-U-R-L-O-C-K-E-D. Oh, like lock your homes? Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> I guess so, huh? That's a, it's an all right Oh, yeah, because it's Holmes, not Holmes. Yeah. So Sherlock Holmes, I didn't think about that. The winning name was submitted by Officer John Isbell of the New Orleans Police Department. God, I wonder where he came up with it. McGruff, it's perfect. It really is. I can't think of him as anything other than McGruff. And I mean, rarely does a name sound exactly what someone looks like. If you think of a dog in a trench coat. It's, his name's McGruff. McGruff. <laughs> I, you know, he could be the singer of this band. I told you the band sounds like a dog is singing. It's a good chance it's McGruff before he got real serious about, about being a detective. Is he a private detective? Or is he just a detective, like a homicide detective? I think he's just a crime dog. He's just a, a citizen concerned about crime. No, maybe he is a har- uh, he probably is a homicide detective. I feel like you don't wear. I feel like he has a badge. You're not he? that. Uh, you're not that gruff and gnarled without you know having seen some shit. Oh yeah, he's 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 been to crime scenes. He's seen people who have murdered their wives. He's seen suicides. So I they ended the McGruff House program in 2012. I just. Um, that program was introduced in Utah in 1982. Oh, really? Do you remember McGruff houses growing up? What is that? Is that a safe place you can go or something? Yeah, you would put a, like a sign in your window, and kids could run into your house to hide from kidnappers. Which sounds like the perfect scheme if you're a kidnapper. And that was created after five children were kidnapped by a guy named Arthur Gary Bishop in Hinkley, Utah. I don't think I've ever heard of this guy, and he would have been kidnapping kids when I was a kid. Wait a minute. Five, well, you didn't read the New York Times, didn't read a lot of newspapers. Uh, that's right. I would, I would have been like three or four years old, so I did not, in fact, read the papers. I didn't watch the evening news quite as often. My parents probably weren't telling me about grisly murders of children. 
But I did know about McGruff houses. Did this guy kidnap five children at once? Because that's kind of impressive. No, it sounds like a spree. Oh, okay. After clearing a background check, they display a sign in their window with the image of McGruff. And then you're educated at school to go to these houses when you felt threatened or in need of help. I must have known about it because I kind of had a good idea. That, like, I understood the concept in a vague sense. Yeah. I have a, I have a vague memory. Neighborhood watch still a thing? Boy, that guy is one of my biggest fears is that that scary silhouette guy in the neighborhood watch coming at me. He's also sort of a private detective. He's wearing a trench coat and a fedora. Well, I figured him to be a prowler. Oh, I always thought he... You thought he was the guy watching? Kinda. I guess he would be the prowler. I guess they wouldn't make a real scary detective, would they? Very sinister figure. Could be Bray Wyatt. All right, should we continue this music talk and, and talk about a mini music movie? I want my mini music movies. Oh, this is our newest semi-annual segment well, where we talk. How do we describe it? Well, we talk about mini music movies, which are on certain television programs mm-hmm. or networks. Certain cable television networks were originated to show mini music movies. Right. Everyone knows the song. They don't I show them anymore. My, I want my mini music movie. Oh, yeah, you know, there's a song that actually does that. I feel like it's the title track of the concept. I think it is. So we should talk about it. Should we talk about Dire Straits? Money for Nothing. Money for Nothing. I actually, I forgot what the song was called. Oh, I thought that was a dramatic <laughs> pause. It was. That's, that was my recovery. I we, blew it by admitting the, uh, yeah. We always blow it. This, this would also be a good opportunity to talk about Mark Knopfler. Is it Knopfler? Yeah, Mark Knopfler. The guitarist for... for uh, Dire Straits, who in that email that we read part of at the beginning of the episode, Joel mentions that he, he considers him one of his favorite guitarists. Now, I always had a problem with Mark Knopfler because he is about as cool as Jay Leno in a leather jacket. He wears a sweatband. Yeah, sweatband. Like, just got done playing tennis. And he has and like... He goes straight to the stage. And he has like tennis, John McEnroe hair. He's got like curly, balding, long hair. Yeah, it's like puffy but balding, true. He does look like John McEnroe minus the mullet, right? No, he's got the mullet. Oh, you mean... Well, John McEnroe doesn't have the mullet. This oh, yeah. guy's oh, got yeah. the mullet. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of that other balding tennis player. <laughs> now, so this guy would have been oh, so this guy was 37 in in this video. He looks about 37. He was 37. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like a young rock and roll I man. He looks like it. an old rock and well, roll man. I, but but people looked older. You know, you go back a hundred years. It is weird that people looked older a long time ago. We've talked about it. In 1915, a baseball player looked like he was about 50 when he he was 18. Yeah. You fast forward to the 50s, and you look like you're about 40 when you're 20. Mm -hmm. And so I just assume this is one of the cases where, oh, this guy must just look real old. That's what I thought. I thought he's probably 29, looks like a 50-year-old. That's what I thought, too. But no, he's actually 37 in this music video. Okay. That Did the music for uh, Princess Bride. What do you mean? I mean, he did the music for Princess Bride. He's a... Uh, like the score? Yeah, he's a, he's a composer. I, I enjoy his uh, composing much better than Dire Straits, who I just... I think I mentioned last week, I just do not care for. Really? No. I thought you just weren't familiar. Well, I'm familiar with their uh, classic rock hits that I don't care for. Let's describe this video really quick, and because I got some background information on it, we can talk about the video itself. But I have the incubus. Is that the right word? Uh, no, but let's move the on. In, it's it rhymes with incubation, that. In- inception, maybe. Yeah, inception, probably. Maybe. So incubus it's... is a little 
like uh, that's I think an incubus a fetus, right? No, an incubus sneaks into your house at night. It's like a demon fetus. It's like a demon. Has and nothing it, to do with the fetus. No, I think it sneaks into your house and takes your seed. Oh, okay. Well, I'm on the right track. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just like Mark Knopfler does. <laughs> he probably does. That's why he's aged prematurely. So I didn't realize the lyrics to this song. So the video is one of the first uses of computer animation. From yeah. what, 1985, 86? Um, it is... 85. I've heard this song, you know, I'd listen to classic rock and hope to hear a Led Zeppelin song, and I'd play this, mm-hmm. and I'd play Boys of Summer, one of my most hated songs. You don't, this song is really catchy. It's one of my most hated songs. I do not like this Money song. Money for Nothing? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I quite like it. Oh. Well, we're... Interesting. Yeah. So the, the lyrics, though, I, until I watched it today, he, he says, that ain't working. And I always thought what he meant was, like, this is not functioning properly as in you know like oh this isn't working no no. but no. he's saying that ain't working that as though what those guys are doing is not labor well i have the incubus for that right here okay so Knopfler was in new york he stopped by an appliance store in the back of the store they had a wall of tvs which were all turned to mtv Knopfler said there was a man working there dressed in a baseball cap work boots and a checkered shirt delivering boxes That's what i dress like uh, well, this is probably a guy who was probably much less ska. This is probably a, a, a checkered shirt who had had never heard of Two Tone. He'd never heard of the specials. So he's standing there next to him, watching the TVs that were on the back wall. As they were standing there, Knopfler remembers the man saying, "What are those Hawaiian noises? That ain't working." Knopfler asked for a pen and wrote the lines down right there. Lead character in Money for Nothing is a guy. Uh, who works, so, the, so it, it, this is the concept. The, the, the lead character is a guy who works in a hardware store, slash television, slash custom kitchen, slash refrigerator, slash microwave, slash appliance. Yeah. He's singing the song. And, and it is very shocking that this was a hit with lyrics. Like, I wrote down the, the chorus. Yeah. We've got do, to... In- there's, there's certain lyrics that I don't think we need to read. No, this one. We've got to install microwave ovens, custom kitchen deliveries. Yeah. So, so think of that as a hit, a hit chorus. Well, that's why I always hated the song. I never paid attention to the lyrics, and I thought, this is so boring. Custom kitchens, microwaves, color TVs. Yeah. And it's weird to think that in 1985, color TVs and microwaves were still a luxury item, I'm assuming. Yeah. Well, I guess so. I guess it's hard to say. Maybe it was just catchy. We, we, yeah. were, we were so young. We were mainly worrying about child kidnappers we weren't reading, watching the evening news i didn't really check the prices of all this stuff yeah no i just thought wow this if it wasn't for such a catchy guitar riff which it does have whether you like it or not it is catchy and it's got sting we've got sting as the assistant guy as the assistant delivery the man assistant yeah. delivery guy the skinny one i guess that's it is i never realized the song was from that perspective oh yeah I guess. I guess if you of a delivery of an appliance delivery man who hates rock and roll. Yeah, no, I, I got it as a kid. I'd listen to it a lot. My dad really liked this song. I heard it a lot. And we had MTV when I was a kid, which was yeah. kind of a lot of people seemed like they didn't. Did you have MTV? Mm-hmm. Oh, you'd had it too. Yeah, it was just a, a a preference choice in that case. Yeah. So so it looks like the most crappy computer animation. It is so ridiculous to see now. It says in the Wikipedia article I read about it that it was. Again, groundbreaking, just like course, the, the jump yeah. music video. <laughs> yeah. 
And it just, it looks ridiculous. It looks really, these big block head, they look like Easter Island heads. Yeah, they're, they're about, it's like if you, you chiseled all of the characters out of wood and you didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. Or, or didn't have sophistication. Or, yeah, they kind of look like nutcrackers, too, in yeah, that regard. Kind of like, yeah, kind of like nutcrackers. Yeah. They're in a weird room with a dog sleeping with lightning bolts on the, as the wallpaper. And, yeah. And it's a guy watching the television. And in the television, I did really like the rotoscope. rotoscope. Oh, yeah, it's got that, like, Tron effect yeah, so when it, Dire Straits is playing. That was cool. So what he's watching is Dire Straits themselves, they've, take, they've filmed them, and then they've animated on top of the actual film. Yeah. And so... It's kind of black and white, but then, but then his his sweatband would be glowing. <laughs> yeah, or his guitar would be glowing. I really like that. I yeah. thought that looked great. Well, so now he watches another music video, and did I did I see a naked woman's crotch? It's or did I... it's it, she's wearing underwear, but okay. but it, it is very risque. I, I and I remember that very well as a kid. <laughs> well, see, and I kind of am th- thinking now well, that's something I really would have enjoyed as a child. Right. It, it, I'm still. It's still kind of surprising that was just aired on on MTV. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a girl pulling up her pantyhose. There's a close up. You know, it looks like she's naked. It, it, it is. It's very risque. Yeah, but I mean, that's. I guess that's that's the chicks for free you're getting and the money for nothing because it's not working. It's no. the way you do it, but you know, it's not working. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I was surprised how short it was. And, it, oh, yeah. and I was kind of watching out for for a guitar solo, and it kind of didn't, didn't really have one. No, it just has that weird sort of robot-sounding guitar. And, or and not I, robot, it just sounds like really like an over-processed guitar to me. Well, what I was reading is, is Mark Knopfler was trying to get his guitar to sound like ZZ Top, who were about the hottest shit at the time you could be. <laughs> ZZ Top's another one that I think is as cool as Jay Leno in the leather <laughs> jacket. Are. Yeah, it is. Jay Leno yeah, they, they, their guitars sound weird, too, because they're famous like for their blues guitar playing mm-hmm. but their big hit songs sound like kind of weird computer guitars don't, don't, they? I, don't they, I, I don't, they they always sounded weird they don't sound like just a guitar plugged into an amp it's like it's going through some kind of processing thing i don't know if that's just the production in the studio at the time or if that's an actual effects pedal or what but mm-hmm. yeah it very it, it, once i read that and listened to it, it it really does his guitar tone sounds a lot like the ZZ Top guitar. Mm. Yeah, it makes sense. I've got information on the computer they used to make this video, which doesn't, it sounds made up. So Ian Pearson and Gavin Blair created the animation using the Bosch FGS 4000 CGI system <laughs> and the Quintel Paintbox system. It does, <laughs> it does sound like someone bluffing. That's, I know, that sounds, yeah, it sounds like someone bluffing who's put on the spot. Yeah. That's what Big Cats should have said when they asked him what his favorite metal band was. This video won the, uh, well, I guess I should call it this mini music movie. Yes. Won video of the year at the MTV Music Awards in 1986. VMAs. This was a huge hit for them. Oh, the VMAs. Yeah. Yeah. We we were just talking about them. I forgot. That's, you know, it's not KFC or Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's KFC. So, I don't know. Well, in the song, it's 30 years later. That song is probably on the radio right now. Yeah. Literally right now somewhere that song's on the radio. What what don't you like about it? I found um, I found it pleasant. I don't like the way Mark Knopfler looks. I don't like the way the guitar sounds. Okay. I don't like Mark Knopfler's voice. Really? I don't like the v- lyrics. The so, video. So, <laughs> so you, you didn't like anything. 
You no. Don't, you don't like this at all. No. So you wouldn't put him on your list of favorite guitarists. No. Probably. Probably not. Probably not. The other day I heard their other song, Walk of Life, and that's another song I always hated. I well, like this that goes song back to This goes back to what we started with where I didn't like the 80s during the 80s. And I did. So even seeing this as a kid when it was contemporary, I didn't like it. And I didn't like the song Walk of Life. I didn't like the organ. That bugged me as a kid for but, some reason. But Walk of Life, didn't, wasn't the video for that a uh, bunch of famous football? Wasn't it the Chicago Bears <laughs> dancing know. around? I don't know the video. Um, I'm pretty sure it's, about, it's got football players. I, but I heard, it, I heard it the other day just randomly, and I thought, oh, this is a pretty good song. I really like A song that, that song. I've always hated. I thought, no, nah, this is catchy, too. This is nice. This is a nice song. But You realize that this year is the 30th anniversary of Brother in Arms, the album this came from. I did, no, of course I didn't realize that. Why would you, I? You, you, you surely realize this. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> and they, they re-released it this year with a bunch of whatever. For, for are, the, are both these songs on that album? Yeah. Walk of Life and... Oh, that's a big album that's, for that's these their, guys. That's their big hit yeah. album. That's, the, that's their, their never mind. <laughs> yeah, and just as exciting. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you got what's you got someone that's kind of a punk rock guy with crazy hair and and cheerleaders with anarchy signs, or you've got a guy who just finished playing tennis in his late thirties. <laughs> they are both cool. That's true. It's true. You know, I, I'm not one. I'm just saying this is per, a personal choice. I'm not saying it's bad or that he's bad guitarist because he's very well, well respected. I'm defending it. I, I quite like Dire Straits, <coughs> and I like this song, and I like Walk of Life. And a lot of people talk about the 27 Club with, you know, Kurt Cobain. We've talked about it in episode 27. Right. But nobody talks about the 37 Club. When, you, when you're alive. When you're sweaty. And you kind of have mellowed out. Yeah. And you just you, you put out some, some, you know, top 40 kind of very radio-friendly music. And then next thing you know, you're palling around with Phil Collins. Yeah, you, you could be in a convertible car with Jay Leno. So... God, Phil Collins, that's a guy I hate, too. He's, he's pretty hated. He's pretty awful. I actually was listening. I, th- I just randomly thought, I want to listen to Phil Collins. And I listened to his Greatest Hits album. And, and there's tons of songs on it you'd recognize. You know? Oh, yeah. They're all terrible. Was he, I mean, he was the Bruce Springsteen of the 80s. Yeah, I was kind of shocked. <laughs> he's weird looking. He's got a weird voice. And I, my, my, when I think of Phil Collins, I picture him always like mugging to the camera. So he's doing a video, and then he looks at the camera and cocks one he eyebrow. Does. Isn't he that his does. thing? Yeah, he, he's always making little faces. And, and he, he like cocks an eyebrow and makes his face like, aren't I cool? And no, you're not, cool, not cool at all. And not his music even close. is awful. I was surprised. I was, uh, they were all big hits. Take Me Home, that one I thought. I was like, oh, this is a great song. And then about halfway through it, I was like, Jesus, turn this off. And yeah, then, God, that's his look. If you Google him, it's always this one eyebrow raise thing. And then a weird little mouth thing. He must just think he's so funny and cool. He's a strange man. He <laughs> watched a man drown. Or he watched a man watch a man drown. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I actually don't know. I just bluffed. I have no idea what you're talking you about. You don't know that? Oh, the urban legend that... Um, okay, it's a great urban legend. That What's his big song with the... Boom, 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 uh, something boom. in the air tonight? Yeah, in the air tonight. So supposedly, he saw a man... He watched a man watch a man drown. And he didn't was, do anything. He was watching the wrong thing then. Right. He should have been watching the guy drowning. Right. And so, so the rumor is that he invited him to a concert for front row tickets. And this guy's like, oh, no, Phil Collins personally invited me to his concert. Mm-hmm. 
and sang the song and then turned a spotlight on that man. Said, that that guy watched someone drown. Your trauma. Well, because yeah, because the person didn't deliberately didn't help the drowning victim. Why? Well, it's all just made up. So it's not a very well thought through urban legend, but it's a big one. Oh, so this guy didn't actually attend the concert. No, none of this ever even happened. The song's just a dumb song that he wrote. It has nothing to do with anyone drowning or not drowning. Huh. That's weird. So the concert attendance part is also part of the urban legend? Yeah, that's yeah. Weird. That's how he exposed it. Uh, the lyrics are based in a drowning incident in which someone who was close enough to save the victim did not help him, while Collins, who was too far away to help, looked on. Often stories often culminate in Co- Collins singling out the guilty party while singing the song at a concert. What the hell? Is that? Well, this is a who watches the watchers. Who was watching Phil Collins while he was watching the guy watching the guy? Well, drink? America was watching him because he was so famous. We were all watching. It's true. We were watching these music videos where he's winking and mugging to the camera, as you call it. Well, good night, everybody.